Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Story Blender. I'm Stephen James, and this is where great storytellers share the secrets to great storytelling. things I get to do is uh, speak at different events around the country and around the world, teaching writing and storytelling. And once in a while at an event, I'll hit someone or I'll hit someone, I'll meet someone and hit it off with them. Hopefully I won't hit someone too, but I'll, I'll just hit it off with someone. And, and uh, so I was at an event in Oklahoma a number of years ago and met um, a, a very fascinating actor, screenwriter, author named Bob Sines. And, and, uh, and Bob is, um, has has agreed to join me today. Let me just tell you a little bit about him. He's a screenwriter, as I mentioned, author and actor from Nashville. He's got 20 produced films, including extracurricular activities and the award-winning film A Dash of Christmas. He's appeared in dozens of television shows, including six seasons of Nash Bridges. Bob regularly uh, does rewrites, ad adaptations, and polishes on film and TV projects for producers and production companies. He speaks and teaches at film festivals and writers' conferences across the country and is the author of the popular screenwriting book, That's Not the Way It Works, a no-nonsense guide to the craft and business of screenwriting. His first novel, Jessica's Vampire Diary, released in November, and I'm really excited to have Bob uh, here with me today. So, Bob, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join me. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm, it's, a, it's an honor, really, to be well, here. I, we were but before we start recording. You were mentioning your book, and so let's just start with that. And I want to get into the screenwriting and and some tips on that. But but um, you were mentioning that over the last few years during the pandemic and so on, you decided to venture out into uh, novel writing, and uh, so you're now starting to work on your second novel, I think. And um, but Jessica's Vampire Diary just came out a couple of months ago. T tell me a little bit about that journey. What led you to actually start? start to um, step in that in that direction when the covid lockdown happened and i was sitting around doing mostly nothing during <laughs> and my wife said to me you know the backyard really needs a complete remodel or you can go write something and i said okay i think i'll go write something <laughs> and i asked her um i i told her that i didn't want to write another script because i didn't know if we didn't know anything about what was going to happen with this COVID thing. It yeah. was also, and she said, you've always wanted to write a novel. It's on your bucket list. I actually have a bucket list that I've had since I like was like 13 years old. Oh, wow. Huh. And it's got a ton of stuff on it that I got to do. Going to the moon was one of them. And I don't think I'll ever, you know, get to do that one, but I've done a lot of the other ones. And one of, one of them was to write a novel, novel and get it traditionally published. Yeah. So, I had to think about what I wanted to write a novel about. And I've always, uh, she said, you've always loved that first script that you ever wrote the story. And it's her favorite story hmm. because you could turn that into a novel. And once again, she was right. And, and she's not, <laughs> so I can say that. <laughs> and I took that, that screenplay and I sat down and had the most fun writing I've ever had in my entire life. Hmm. Amazing. But a, it was, just a joy to to write she says whenever you're writing a screenplay or whatever you're working on for a 
producer or production company, I come into the room, into your office to see you, you're always very intent and you're <laughs> very intense look yeah. on your working art. She said, every time I came into the room when you were writing the novel, you were smiling. Oh, interesting. And, and she said, I knew you were having a lot of fun. And I did. I, I had a lot of fun writing this. It's um, I made a, a decision on point of view, too, which is really interesting in the book. Um, Bram Stoker's Dracula mm. is a diary. And I have a Van Helsing in this book because of uh, you can do that now because of public domain. Uh, sure. And. I decided to write it as her diary. There you go. Cool. The whole book is actually written in diary form. And it's um, it's her adventure saving her mother. And the, the book is really about keeping a nuclear family together. Hmm. It's an adventure that she has with uh, a friend and their kids. And they're not adults. They're not, they don't think like adults. They don't have, they don't, they haven't got that kind of, uh, they, they, I don't give them more metal powers than they should have for the age they are. Oh, uh -huh. and so I got, but they also are freer to do stuff than adults because they mm -hmm. don't have all the uh, blocks that adults yeah. put on, on their, on their, um, what they do sometimes. So it was a, um, it was a really fun adventure to do. So I got it and I finished it and I knew nothing about writing a novel <laughs> i mean it's i knew nothing story. you knew how to tell a good story and but um, i knew nothing about how to get it to a publisher oh right yeah that's yeah that yeah you have to do you have to write out the the, the query and you have mm -hmm. to get it out there and you have to find a manager or an agent and you have to do all these things and i was starting to look into it and i had written a horror film um and a producer in L.A. read the horror film and liked it. And I don't know what's going on with it right now, but mm. a couple of people have it and we'll see if it gets made. But it was during COVID and he was reading it toward the end of COVID. And he was reading it and he said, I love this. What else do you have? Mm. And I said, horror wise. And I said, well, I just wrote this novel and it could easily be a series or a movie because it was before I wrote the novel. Sure. And he said, do you have the novel in like word form? And I said, that's exactly what I have. Mm -hmm. So I sent it to him. And a month or so later, he called me and he said, this is one of the funniest books I have ever read in my life, number one. And number two, I love this book. And I said, well, thank you very much. He goes, I have a friend of mine who's the publisher at Red Sky in New York. And they're a medium-sized publisher Yeah, that's kind of really good. And uh, I, can I just send this to him? Wow. And I went, you go. <laughs> I went are you kidding me? <laughs> but I looked him up, too. I looked up the publisher. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Make sure that they were not one of these guys that say, I'll publish your book for $10,000. Yeah. So then I sent it. And about a month later, I get a call from this publisher. And he goes, everyone in the office has read the book. Everyone in the office loves it. It's really, really funny. My editor my in chief wants to edit it herself. Oh, there you go. That's amazing. Would would you would you like to would you like to have us publish your book? And I went, yes. <laughs> and that's where we ended up. And we're to the point now where about a week before it came out, uh, in my contract, I had a uh, 
you've seen them. They have the thing where it says you get to, if we tell you, you have to write a sequel, you have to write a sequel. Hmm. And um, I'm, they said, we'd like you to write the sequel. So I'm, I'm in the process now of, of uh, while I'm doing a couple of other projects that I've, that I've, uh, that I've got going for yeah. one for one for movies and one for TV <laughs> And now the 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 book. So I've been a, I'm a, this is going to be a very busy 2024. Well, congratulations! No, that's exciting. And um, so again, the book is called Jessica's Vampire Diary, and um, it's kind of a humorous take on the undead. And so, if you are interested in that, and who's the main um, readership? Is it you, you mentioned that the main characters were younger? I think he's 14. Yeah, but. They're calling it because of the the reviews have started coming out, uh, and and one of the one of the good reviewers said it was YA for adults. Okay, she said, she said it's also for kids. I mean, lots of kids have read it and uh, and liked, it. but they said that b- because it's kind of layered with some adult, the with some humor uh, that, that's that's you know kind of like I wanted to do it like the Bugs Bunny cartoons. I wanted it to be a book that kids would read and go, this is really cool. This is funny. And this is great. Uh-huh. What adults to be able to read it and get another level of. Oh of yeah. Humor. Nice. So it was, uh, it was a uh, labor of love. There you go. Well, no, that's exciting. And, um, and let's, um, let's kind of drill into this idea of story because obviously you've worked in Hollywood for many years. You understand what makes the story work. And, um, and you were able to then to translate that into you know into a novel. What when you're working on whether it is a novel or a screenplay, what what are you trying? Uh, I don't know how to say. It's like I don't want to get too far into the weeds as far as structure or what this has to happen then and stuff. But but what are the elements of story that you're really trying to um, to tap into to to make a producer, director, audience? really connect with with your with your what you're writing your story i think of i i don't want to use hero's journey because that's a whole different ball ballpark uh, it's a whole different thing and and i i've written a lot of scripts that don't use that but i look at every story as a journey hmm. i look at it as a as a we're taking a ride with our protagonist to wherever they are going yeah it's it's got to be it's got to be filled with conflict yeah it's got to be filled with with interesting and fun things it's got or it's going to be scary Mm -hmm. or it's got to be it's got to my idea of and it's got to be coherent Hmm. it has to make sense that each part of that journey has to be the the part before it has to make the part after it exist yeah, and then exactly. the part the part that mm-hmm. part has to make the next part exist that there is no you don't put something in because you think you like it and it's fun <laughs> put it in because it moves your story forward every word you write mm-hmm. needs to move your story forward because that's how you get a reader or an audience watching something yeah. to turn the page hmm. or to keep watching the movie or the TV show or, or read the book. 
um, I'm going to, I'm going to be a fanboy right now and tell you, you have that ability hmm. to make people turn that page and want to see what else is going on. Well, I, I appreciate that. That's, yeah. That is a, that is the secret to, to anything. There, there are so many, everybody wants to be a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. And when I was working even on the TV show on Nash Bridges, the, the guy who watered the plants on the set had a script and and you it's and everybody else did too including me but they the the thing about it is is that you have to be able to keep people reading yeah because your first script whether it's your spec script that you want a producer to take the first person who looks at that script in a producer's office is called a reader mm. Not not a we want to put it on the screen person. Yeah, it has to be a it has to be something that can be read and keep the keep the reader turning the pages because yeah. if they get to page ten and they don't want to go to eleven, it goes into their reject pile. So, I think that one of the things when I talk about story, I talk about really making sure that your that every word that you write moves the story you want to tell yeah um i'm not a big believer um in all that you have to put rising action in some one of these places or this has to happen or this has to happen i think that if you tell a really really good story all those things happen naturally yeah they happen in their own time instead of you trying to take, you know, take your thumb and shove them into an area where you think they belong and really getting rid of, of the momentum that you've already gotten in your story. Well, I'm on the same page. You know, I wrote that book story Trump's structure and um, I can't, my view is, you know, story is primary. That's the most important thing. And obviously people will come with formulas and templates and, kind of, you know, color by numbers sort of things. And, um, but I feel like the best stories, um, I think it's kind of what you were just saying. Maybe those things can help in certain times and places, but what matters more is the movement of the story. Actually, the movement of the characters on that journey through the story. And um, so I always encourage people to break the rules if if it serves the story. Well, I, I always tell people there aren't any rules. There you go. Yeah. It makes it easier. Um, I've had people tell me there are rules and I've always asked for the rule book. Yeah. And nobody's been able to show it to me. (laughs) I, I feel really deeply that, well, I'm glad you're on the same page because I, I I knew, I know you are. I've looked at, at some of the, what you've written about story. And the thing about that, that I tell people all the time when we, when I talk at conferences or at film festivals about screenwriting is that producers buy story? Mm-hmm. That's what they're looking for. Yeah, and and, it, and in a lot of cases, it shocks people because they're not thinking story when they write it. They're thinking, uh, "I'm gonna write a movie." Oh, huh, interesting. Yeah, and that's not that's not the same thing. Mm. So. One of the things you mentioned earlier is that people have really loved your novel for its humor. 
And I know some of your uh, screenplays have had humor and and so on. And and then you also mentioned you've written horror and um, so th- that's so fascinating to me that um, that you have sort of that bright broad range. Humor is hard to write. If you can write something that will make someone laugh out loud, that's a huge gift. Um, and so I'm curious, just if you well, don't you're write about that, it is a gift, and I'm I'm, I'm very pleased <laughs> to have, have been tapped with that at, at some point because people have told me some of the things. Uh, Extracurricular activities, a movie that I wrote that opened every door in Hollywood for me. Mm. Um, I wrote it as the second script I ever wrote. And it opened every door in Hollywood to me. It's a it's an R-rated black comedy thriller. Yeah. And it got me my first job writing a script for Hallmark. Mm. And it's the anti-Hallmark film. <laughs> but but what happened was the producer who read it called me in to talk to me and said, This is not, you know, I love this script. Oh, yeah. but I love what I love about it is A, the writing and B the storytelling. And if you can do that for something as strange as extracurricular activity, <laughs> maybe you can do it for us on a couple of scripts that we're stuck on. There you go. And I said, of course I can. Yep. Um, love to try. And I got my first job with uh, with Hallmark writing a movie called uh, Help for the Holidays, which ended up being a movie with Summer Glau. That was the only one she ever did for Hallmark. And it's a very funny strange little hallmark movie that did super well for them and wow. it's it a kind of an inter- interesting relationship between between hallmark and me and and i'm still doing christmas movies when i'm not writing horror films or you know, some of the other things that i've been working on or have gotten made like church people or uh, farmer in the bell and and so i it's I'm not. I've. I. I've. I know. In. In. In books, a lot of people want you to stay in your lane. <laughs> I just. I've been able to not stay in the lane for for screenwriting, and that's been fun for me because then oh, I get yeah. to write what I want. No, I think it's cool. It's true. That people want to brand you. Like, what's your brand? Oh, I write thrillers, and then you're like, oh, I want to write a comedy or. Humor story, but you're a thriller writer, and you get you did they want to box you, box you in. So it's it's pretty cool that you've been able to do uh, kind of where your passion leads you. What are some of the things that you've found that are helpful to make people laugh? How do you write something that's lighthearted or humorous without trying to be funny? Because it seems to me like the least funny people are the ones who are trying to be funny. That's like. That's when I don't laugh is when they're trying to be. But then suddenly someone else will just, I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. What's the difference? How do you get into that? Because humor in like in the, in Jessica's or humor in extracurricular or humor in something else that I've written has all got to be born from the story. It can't be, I'm going to put a joke here or I'm going to have a joke here. It has to be completely story driven. Mm -hmm. It has to be, what I'm writing this story, ooh, this could be funny as part of the story. Or I just, I'll actually just, it'll pop into my head that this this is funny. This is this will be something interesting or this will be something funny that could move the story forward and still yeah. be humorous. 
the you don't need it to laugh out loud. The chuckle is good, or 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 anything is good if as long as people buy it. Yeah. But they're only going to buy it if it's told. If the joke comes organically ah. from the story, rather than I'm going to plug a joke in here. Now it's worked that way. Airplane is a great example of how <laughs> I'm going to plug a joke in. But you can. You, they did that already. <laughs> okay that's done the 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 um that's where i think that that a lot of people who want to write something funny don't they think i need to write something funny rather than to write a story and then have funny things happen in the story okay, sure huh interesting yeah no that's good i um I've I I love humor. I love it's very diff difficult to write, but um the 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 times that I've studied humor have, have always it's always benefited my writing. Like I don't write like my thrillers have touches of humor within them, obviously, or it'll get yeah. just like too heavy throughout the whole story. But, but I've uh, never uh, done like a whole comedy or something. What's that? The a reader needs a break. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and even in movies have ebbs and flows. If, if, have you ever watched a movie where it was just relentless in whatever it was doing, and you it finally get you to out? Yeah, I need. By the time they get to the end, you're you're tired. Yeah, and so that's that's why that you need every story needs ebbs and flows in it, so that you can where you can break a very tense situation in with a with a little line of humor that works in the situation. So um, that's one of the reasons Die Hard works so well, hmm. because it was a very serious thing. But every once in a while in that movie, that was something that really was really funny. And and that's it was it was a um, at the time I remember seeing it when we saw it in the theaters when it hmm. first came out. It was a it was a revelation to me hmm. that you do something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's um no, that's pretty cool because it is Die Hard is uh you know, it's obviously it's action, but it does have humor. It's got it's a love story, you know, and and some people say yeah. well, it's a Christmas story, you know. Well, it's, yeah. It's, it's, There's <laughs> a lot of people who say it's a Christmas. Story. <laughs> you know, so but, okay. But then there was also the original first lethal weapon. Oh, yeah. Which was a very serious movie about people really getting killed a lot and stuff happening, but it was funny. And 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 it was naturally funny as part of the story with those characters, and not them trying to throw jokes in. There were no jokes per se, mm. but it was the humor of their reactions and the situations that they were in. Now, is it the same for horror? Let's just flip the script for a sec. Is it the same where it has to grow organically from the situations? Because um, instead of just trying, oh, this will be scary. I'll just throw this jump scare or something in i i believe that yeah, yeah i believe that with horror i mean i've written one horror oh, i've written two yeah um yeah. uh but one of them i wrote was was adapting a book but the other one um that was just mine was yeah it was all about all about the horror the 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 horror and the scares come from yeah. from the natural movement of the story yeah. rather yeah. than i'm now it's time for a jump scare um now 
there's going to be producers who are going to go say, now it's time for a jump scare. But, <laughs> and there's, nothing you, there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah. But in the in the script that I wrote, yes, absolutely. I think that that you can, I mean, look at The Exorcist. Hmm. There's, there's, uh, that was one of the most terrifying movies I ever saw when I first oh, yeah. saw it. And but there's nothing in it that isn't born out of the story. No, that's good. It's good. Same, for, same with Jaws. Oh, yeah. 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 I think that the scariest stories for me, there is an organic mesh between the characters, you know, sort of atmospheric, maybe. It's their desires. It's not just gimmicks and um, slashing and and stuff like that. You know, I'm not a big slasher fan. I think one of the great examples of that is John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh yeah, yeah. That 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 there are jump scares in that movie, but boy, are they born out of that story. They're they're <laughs> right at the right time. And and that movie is just is is as close to perfection as any horror movie that there has ever been out there. Well, um, yeah. So that's really a good actually segue because you work with um, scripts that people have written. Um, producers will come to you and say, like, "Look, we need this fixed," or or however they phrase it. What are some of the common weaknesses that you sort of see appear in these screenplays that you're asked? To fix, I'm, I think it'd be very interesting for people to sort of hear like this is the, these are some of the common areas where it falls flat. Story falls flat. Well, I don't think uh, in in screenplays is really interesting. You have a hundred and ten pages mm-hmm. with a lot of white space. You've seen what a script looks yeah. like. One hundred and ten pages with a lot of white space to tell a complete story. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a novel, you can take as many pages as you'd like. Mm-hmm. And write as much detail as you want. In a screenplay, it's you tell the the story that you want to tell in the least words possible. Okay, so the problem that I see is a lot of a lot of writers who write screenplays and really don't really haven't gotten to the point where they realize it's a craft. Yeah. They don't start their screenplay on the page one. They spend 10 pages setting up their story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And by the time a reader gets to page nine, they put the script down. Hmm. And I tell people, you have to start your story on page one. If you yeah. have information that you need the audience to know, and you have to get that information out as you tell the story and not before you start it. So, because you only have a certain a certain amount of time to tell, and you watch these good movies, and you see, boy, that story started right from the first second that movie started. Mm-hmm. And this is the same with screenwriting. You start your story on page one. You don't you don't have the luxury of setting it up. You also don't have the luxury of small talk. Mm-hmm. You can't have people greeting each other or hanging up their phones and saying goodbye. <laughs> You don't have the the luxury of of setting a scene like you do in a in a uh, in a novel where you describe the room and describe where they are and how beautiful the sunset is and all that stuff. You can't do that. You have to say it's sunset, mm-hmm. 
and that's it if that's what you want if yeah. that's part of your story the the point of it being it's about brevity and being able to to again have that one scene that happens make the next scene happen and go through while you're doing that thinking still of the story as a whole hmm. it's complex it's not it's not an, an easy writing discipline right. it's a pretty tough writing discipline but it's a pretty fun writing discipline and i you know i've it's been a great living for me so i'm i'm very happy that i've i was able to figure it out yeah so if, if I'm watching a movie as just a fan of movies and a fan of great stories, um, what are some things that you might say, let's say people are listening and they're like, yeah, I don't know where to get started or whatever. And we'll talk about your book in a second here. Uh, that's not the way it works. Um, you're not no nonsense guide to the craft and business of, of screenwriting. But let's say that I watch a movie. What are, what are you looking for? If you have a movie, you mentioned a couple films that you liked. What is it? when you're watching a movie that makes you makes the world disappear that you don't even start to notice plot flaws or whatever, like how do they do that? Or I, or, I yeah. got involved in the film business because I wanted from the time I was like 10 years old, I yeah. wanted to do movies. I wanted to be an actor first. And then I found out I wasn't as good an actor as I was a writer. Mm -hmm. um, I have a range of about, I'm showing you now about two inches. To get <laughs> there, I'm pretty good. I've been in Screen Actors Guild for almost 30 years. So I've been in a lot of things. I've died a lot of great ways on screen and I've done some fun stuff. <laughs> but but I like being behind the camera better now. Mm. And and so but my love was films and and I go to movies and I want to watch movies purely for the enjoyment of it. I don't try to break them down. Oh, okay. And, sure, sure. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Or, but I do notice stuff. Yeah. I notice when something doesn't work, when I turn the when I when I when I'm watching something even on Netflix and I'm I'm about ten minutes into it and I go, no, this isn't working for me. Yeah. And I think part of it is that that is what again what I said the smell of setup mm -hmm. or or there's a there's a you have characters that you don't believe there yeah that's what i was curious and, about yeah and and i think as you write your characters you need to think of them as actually existing hmm. so that they can be the people that you think that people will want to a root for or root yeah. against or be upset when they get killed or be happy when things happen that are good. You want your characters to be believable to the audience, whether they're reading your book or watching your television show or watching your... Even You can have them doing ridiculous things, mm -hmm. but you can still have the audience saying, because they are this character, I believe this. There you go, yeah. And so one of the things that you that that helps make that work is having your characters be consistent to who you've defined them as there you go yeah that's good okay when you have a character and you have them do something out of convenience because it works for it helps you as a writer not have to work so hard to get <laughs> to the story 
the audience isn't stupid. Yeah. They see it for what it is and they see it as a cheat Hmm. and they'll turn it off or they'll stop reading. And in a script, a producer or a reader that's getting a script to a producer will say, this is a cheat. Hmm. So you need to define your characters and then have everything that they do and say stay within that definition of who you've made them to be. That doesn't mean as you're writing it and you decide you want this guy to be an expert at killing people with a pencil, (laughs) that you can't set that up earlier. Yeah, yeah. But you don't just say, oh, all of a sudden, oh, by the way, I'm an expert at killing people with a pencil. (laughs) Okay? So it's a a matter of consistency, Uh and the audience expects that. And the audience, whether they're reading a book or reading something, you have when you have your characters that go from book to book to book to book, what makes people want to read the next book is because they like that character, who he is and what he does and the way he does it. And if you get away from that, and which which is what happens when when TV series get into season 12 (laughs) and they've jumped the shark. (laughs) And they have characters do things that they originally would never have done, that people stop watching. Mm. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. So I'm a real believer that you establish who your characters are and you know as as a writer what they will do or not do, even if it's stuff that isn't in your story. Yeah. That if somebody asks you a question, if this if your character was in this and had this decision to make, what decision would they make? And you knowing exactly who they are and what makes them tick would know the answer to that. And so I've been in meetings with producers who have said, we want the character to do this and this and this, because that's kind of cool. And (laughs) I would say, she wouldn't do that. Yeah. Here's why. And here's where you're going to lose your audience. Mm. And I explain it to them, and they'll most of the time go, oh, yeah, okay, we get that. Yeah. Okay, let's not do that. I always, I, I agree with everything you were saying. I, I've Sometimes I've told people the same thing in a different way, where I've said they always, your characters must always act in concert with who they are, which is pretty much exactly what you were saying. And so I love that. Um, that you emphasize that in your in your teaching as well. And um, I know that you probably talk about that a little bit in your book. That's not the way it works. Um, and I want to I want to talk about that for for a second here. I think this question will tie in to the book as well, but I was going to ask you, what should people who have never written for Hollywood know about writing for Hollywood? And I think that's kind of what your book touches on. Here's my answer, first answer to your specific question there. Uh-huh. There is no Hollywood. Okay, go ahead. How about that? Yeah. It is a bunch of producers and production companies and five studios mm. who right now aren't buying anything that isn't something they already own <laughs> that 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 makes films. There is no governing body that decides what's going to get made by whom and where. It is an in, it is just like publishers or anybody else you have to get to those individual producers or production companies and have them it only takes one 
to like what you do. Yep. And and so quit thinking of this grand, glorious Hollywood, number yeah. one. Number two, your movie is never going to be in a theater. Okay? Because if it is, it's a bonus. Extracurricular activities was in the theater. Uh-huh. I was stunned. I thought for sure it would go to streaming first because that's what everything does nowadays, unless it's uh, the Avengers 12. <laughs> and and so you can write your stuff to 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 understanding that that yes, there's an outside chance that somehow some way it could get on a screen in the theater somehow. But mostly, everything's written for the for smaller screens now. The other thing I talk about, and this is sad but true, is that there's no longer a mid movie, a mid budget movie. Yeah. There's either very expensive movies or low budget movies. Yeah, and that's it. Now, low budget movies aren't what low, what you think low budget movies used to be, because low budget movies used to be sixty percent of their cost was film the cost of film and the cost of working with film and the cost of of developing film and working with film that's gone because everything's digital now yeah so you can do things now for two thousand two million dollars that would cost you six million dollars in the past hmm. so the the i tell people if you it's like when you if you want to be a screenwriter you want to start in the mailroom like any other business because it's not anything but a business. Mm. And the mailroom is low budget films. Taylor Sheridan has has become a monster mm. as far as all the things he produces and all the things he does. But he started off writing movies under $5 million. Hell or High Water was a script that was written to be produced for $5 million. Now it was produced for 10 because they got Jeff Bridges and, and Chris Pine. Okay, and they decided to make it a little bit bigger movie and had a little bit bigger budget, but it was written as a low budget film, and it got him noticed and it got him an Oscar nomination. It's a it was one of my favorite movies of that year. Yeah. It's one of my favorite movies. Period. Wow. But wow. everyone, Taika Waititi, uh, um, started off in low budget films. If you go back and look at all the famous directors that you loved. Uh, even going back to Coppola with 13 Ghosts. These guys all started, Ron Howard wrote, did made movies for, for under a million dollars. They all started in the mailroom. And that has not changed to this day. Everybody wants to write their Star Wars mm -hmm. and have it get produced. And that's not how it happens. George Lucas made THX, you know, uh, uh, and... And he got that going, and and so I'm using old old uh, examples, but every example up to that point, you can go look at people's CVs and see that that you start off working in the mailroom wow. and you work your way up. So I tell people, if you want to get noticed, write great low budget films with good stories. It's not easy to do. Yeah. But there's a chapter in the book uh, called Writing to Budget. Mm, yeah. And I, in it, I lay out what costs what 
and what's expensive and what isn't in a film making a movie. You can blow stuff up. We blew stuff up in extracurricular. We blew two cars up <laughs> in extracurricular activity, and we had gun shooting. And those are expensive things. But if you if you if you put them in in the right spots uh -huh. and do it all the time. You can still keep the budget down and still have a kind of and a, still have an exciting story. Yeah, it doesn't mean you can't do things. You just have to do them at the right time. So this is all helpful. So if people are listening and you're saying, "I have a movie. I want to write a movie," it's like maybe you have a high concept, you know, thriller, a big, you know, I don't know, James Bond type story, or whatever. But Bob's saying, you know, well. You know, maybe you start with something else. It's like, um, so. Well, I'm not saying start with something else. Yeah. Just so think of throwing it away. Yeah, yeah. Take your high budget concept. There you go. And tool it low budget. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And and people go, that's impossible. But <laughs> it is impossible. Yeah. I know people have done it. Hell or High Water is a great example. There are other ones that are great examples that you can take a really great, great idea and still make it into a really good movie that isn't super expensive. You can make you can make you can do a lot of stuff for five million dollars these days, and especially with with uh, with special effects, the price of special effects every day goes down. Huh. Yeah, no. And when you were saying that, actually, you I'm glad you clarified for for everyone listening. Um, and I was also thinking of horror movies when you're talking about lower budget, like there are a lot of horror movies that have done amazingly that are not huge budget movies. And so it's, um, yeah, so it's, it's an interesting time. And, um, if people are, yeah, saw, saw, yeah. the original saw was made for a million dollars. Huh? Yeah. That's, that started a franchise. There's at least what, 10 movies or something in that franchise. Like that. <laughs> so um so if people are listening and this is all interesting to you i want you to tell us bob how do they get in touch with your book like is it available wherever books are sold it's um, available wherever books are sold it's available um uh if, if if your local bookstore doesn't have it they can order it um yeah. it's available online and everywhere that that you can get books it's on it's at it's at amazon but it's also at at Barnes and Noble on Nook, it's on it's it's available in um, anywhere books are sold, like you said. Yeah, so if you're um, an aspiring uh, screenwriter, um, definitely this would be one of the books that you want on your shelf to um, to understand the business, but not just the business, but also the craft, the craft of writing and telling great great stories. Um, but the, what, what, what sets this one apart and what has gotten me a lot of, of, of great press over this book was I also, the second half of the book is all about what it's like to be in business as a screenwriter. Oh yeah. What you have to know as a, as a person, you know, right. When you finish writing your script, your work is just getting started. Hmm. You have to work to market it and work to market yourself and market your writing. And and it's all about the kind of, of how to handle yourself in the meetings that you're going to get and how to write a query letter and how to do all kinds of things. It's it's the book is, has been valuable to a lot of people because there's never been another one quite like it. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. It's good practical hands-on advice that I think a lot of people are going to be able to benefit from. And I'm glad to be able to get the the word out there about this book. So, so well, thank you. 
appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And so um, it looks like our time is almost up, and I've really I, I, I've enjoyed the conversation, and oh, I know I well, know it, there's good plenty more that we can tap into too. We can anytime. <laughs> um, it's good to see you again too. It's nice to. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. So, so let me close it with a couple quick questions. I usually ask people, what's one novel besides yours that everyone should read before they die? But since you're screenwriter, I mean, you're a novelist as well. But, but I I can give you the novel. There's there's two. There's two. Okay, sure. Yeah, I want to hear them. A Confederacy of Dunces. Okay. Okay, and Shogun. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Two two books that that very different books changed my life. Oh wow! A Confederacy of Dunces taught me about how humor can be written in a, a very ser- serious book, huh. and uh, and it's the kind of humor I like, which is dark. Yeah, and uh, and uh, Shogun is just masterful storytelling. Very interesting. Very cool. Um, but I do need to ask you now: a movie. What is a movie that? Or, or maybe oh, you mentioned a fil- few uh, films throughout, but what's a movie that you've seen recently that you feel like has been underrated or that people haven't seen that they should? Um, well, I think one of the most underrated movies is a Spike Lee movie called mm-hmm. Inside Man mm-hmm. with Denzel Washington. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that movie is beautifully constructed. It is absolutely flawlessly constructed and gorgeously shot. And it, I think it's it's an amazing film. And it's a it's a it's a caper thriller mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is got layers and layers of things going on that are just really well done. And I love that movie. I also like L.A. Confidential. Mm-hmm. I think that is a movie that shows you the kinds of things that you can write. And uh, though that's another good movie uh, that that uh, it did get a lot of. I mean, it was up for Best Picture, so it's it's it got it got the press it needed. But it's one that gets kind of shoved away in the back corner that people don't really rewatch a lot, and they should. Great example. I mean, great. Um, I like your list. It's good. Um, and so. I guess the final thing would be just, you know, do you have any wor- closing words of advice uh, for people who are maybe aspiring um, writers, whether novelists or screenwriters? I do. Yeah. I have two two things I always say when people ask me, what's your, what are your be all and end all uh, yeah. advice? The first one is don't be boring. Ah, there you go. I, you know, don't, don't write. I think writing what you know is a bad advice. I think knowing what you write is better advice. And two, don't give up because you're going to see, you're going to face all kinds of adversity as you try and do this. There's going to be loads of rejection from the time I wrote my first script to the time I had my first produced film was 12 years. Wow. And that the average is about 10. Hmm. You have to, you have to be, strategically patient hmm. and you have to understand that things don't happen overnight getting a film from the time that a f- script is sold to the time that it hits the screen can be up to two years hmm. so you have to be super patient and understand that that these things all take time and i know when a, when you sell a book that sometimes it can be a year before it comes <laughs> out yeah 
So, so, and I found that out because they said, I'll take your, we'll take your book. And then a scant 14 months later, it got published. Like, wait, what? Yeah. I, I know that feeling for sure. So, so you, you just don't give up because right. if, if you give up, you really can't succeed. Okay. And, and you can succeed at this. Okay. If I succeeded, listen, anybody can succeed. You just have to, you have to just work hard on your craft. Hmm. And don't boring and don't give up. I like yep. it. Get back to the basics. So, uh, well, Bob, thanks so much for um, taking the time to step away from Thank your you. projects. I know you have your hand in a, a number of different uh, things going on right now. And yeah, I do. I've got a f bunch of uh, projects that I'm working on now that are a couple of them are pretty fun. Um, we'll see what, we'll see what comes of them. You know, most, most of them never see the light of day. But uh, if one of them sneaks through, then that's a, that's a bonus. There you go. That's perfect. Now, is there a place online where people can connect with you and maybe see if you have a new book coming out or if you're going to be uh, at a different conference? I'm on, I'm on X at, at B-O-B-S-N-Z. Just my last name without the vowels. <laughs> um, and I'm on uh, Facebook under my own name. And I'm on uh, Instagram. Well, very cool. So people check it out. Go uh, go online and connect up with Bob and um, follow him and, and keep an eye out for him at, uh, at a writer's conference or film festival near you. Also, Thank you. Also, thanks to, um, to everyone for listening. I know there are lots of podcasts out there, and we just really appreciate you listening to us here at Story Blender. You can listen uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts or you can always click to thestoryblender.com for more information, bios, and other interviews that we've done over the years. Don't forget to like us and subscribe to receive our weekly podcasts. Tell your stories well, my friends, and always remember. The art of the story is all in the blend. Take care, everyone, and keep the stories coming.